everyone. Welcome to Type Talks. Today we have Alec Pearson with us. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience members? <laughs> I will do. And uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me onto onto your uh, podcast. Um, yeah, my, my name is Alec Pearson. I'm a strengths and core energy coach that spends a lot of my time helping individuals, you know, ranging from senior executives um, middle managers down to you know recent graduates really look at how they can develop their career and leadership skills going forward. Now, I also work with clients who are experiencing stress, anxiety, maybe you know suffering from burnout, but also as well individuals who are looking to transition into a, a new career. Um, as well as working with private clients, I also work with organizations to help them strengthen their culture and improve uh, team productivity and employee engagement. As a kind of sideline, um, when I'm not coaching, uh, I'm also a guest lecturer um, at a couple of uh, UK-based universities teaching and coaching undergraduates and postgraduates within the areas of leadership and professional skills development. Excellent. We are here to talk about today Clifton Strengths and MBTI in career and leadership development. So Alec is an ESTJ. And I was wondering if we could start this off by looking at the correlations between the Clifton strengths and the MBTI in your okay. view. Well, first of all, just to explain a little bit about Clifton strengths. Now, this is an assessment tool that was developed by Gallup, who are a well-known uh, research-based consultancy company. And the aim of the Clifton Strengths assessment is to help you as an individual or as a team understand your unique strengths and talents and understand really, you know, what are your top areas that you are good at? What are your top strengths? Now, when you do a Clifton Strengths assessment, you receive a report and you will have listed 34. Uh, themes or strengths in in order. Now, what Gallup are saying with the Clifton Strengths Assessment is that if you were to focus on your top ten strengths and make those stronger, this will help you and give you more opportunity for success in what you do. So that's a kind of general overview of um, Clifton Strengths. Now, when we bring this into MBTI. And if we think about the fact that Clifton Strengths is, is, is focusing on, on your strengths and talents, MBTI, the difference there is that it, MBTI is about examining your broader uh, personality preferences. But it's interesting, certainly from my experience, of some of the correlations that exist between both of them. Now, one of the things I'll talk about as we go through are some examples of the, the, the names of some of the Clifton strengths. But what we see, if we think about uh, some of the key uh, MBTI preferences and then compare that with Clifton strengths, what we typically see is with Clifton strengths, where you might have extroverted uh, personality traits, we typically see that there is a correlation between that and more kind of extroverted strengths within Clifton strengths. And if I give you an example, you know, extroverts are typically um, very much about 
getting, you know, talking to people, building relationships. They want their voice heard on average. And if we were to correlate that with Clifton Strengths, one of their theme names is called Woo. And Woo, if that's one of your top Clifton Strengths, that's all about, you know, you love meeting new people. You love just, you know, talking to people, breaking the ice with other people. So there, there certainly is some interesting similarities there. We also see other similarities with Clifton Strengths and, and, and MBTI. Um, so, for example, if you're a person that has lots of empathy, or their strength is empathy in Clifton Strengths, you know, what we see there when it comes to MBTI is that typically you'll be probably more of a feeler as a result. So there is that correlation there. Yeah. So there are many correlations between the Clifton strengths and the MBTI. They might not be one-to-one, -one, but you'll see themes and trends for sure. For instance, the context theme in the Clifton strengths can be correlated loosely with SJ. So an, an SJ type is slightly more likely to get context as a theme and connectedness. So if someone scores connectedness in Clifton Strengths, they're likely to have an N or F in their MBTI code. And the command strength in the Clifton Strengths is going to be associated more likely with a thinker and more likely an extrovert too. They're all loose correlations between these two systems. So now, Alec, I would love to go and investigate leadership development. And so can I can I just add there because I, I I part of midway through I was also going to discuss Belbin, um because I think there's a great correlation between Clifton Strengths and Belbin, but if you wanted I could because another thing I kind of noted down here was even for MBTI, um you know if you think about in Belbin there is a team role called a plant, now the plants are those that are creative innovative they've got lots of ideas and typically from my experience we see that introverts from an mbti perspective are the ones with better ideas you know more creative because they're sitting back more and seeing what's what's happening you know they've got some of the better ideas in the teams that is really cool what is belbin I've, this is my first time hearing about it actually <laughs> Right. Well, Belbin, um, Belbin was developed uh, back in the 1960s by Dr. Meredith Belbin, and he wanted to understand what roles are required within teams to give us success. What are all the things that we've got to cover in a team and what should we do in a team? And he came up with after a few years of research, nine team roles that if we cover them in our teams, that it therefore equals success. That means that team should run really well. And if I give you some examples here, um, you know, some of the, the, the team roles we have, you've got the resource investigator, outgoing and extroverted role. Actually, maybe thinking back to MBTI, typically resource investigators will be extroverted. Because um, they love networking, they love building new relationships. We have shapers. If we have a shaper in our team, they're dynamic, they're assertive. You know, they love challenging situations, and so it goes on. So it, it, it's a really another layer of assessment that, if you think about MBTI to understand the personalities, 
you use Clifton strengths to think about the actual individual strengths or team strengths, but actually with Belbin, is this team covering all the actual team roles we need to help that team to be the most productive and get the most done? I'm going to research that and link a resource below for people who are new to this as well. Wow. Um, really cool. That's why I did the three because I, I just certainly with Clifton Strengths and Belbin to bring those together is just, it's such a view on, you know, what is happening in your particular department or what is happening with individuals and, and what they offer. Very cool. Awesome. All right. So then that segues us uh, talking about individuals and their development about Career development, yeah. How do you use the Clifton strengths in career development? This for me is where Clifton strengths is key. Now, when I'm working with clients, one of the first questions I'll typically ask them is tell me about yourself. What are you good at? But what I typically see from clients is that they want to tell me what they're not so good at. We are very good at maybe discussing our weaknesses, but typically it's much harder to try and get a client to tell me what they are good at. Now we can try and prompt them. We talk about, you know, well, what have you achieved over the past year? You know, what, what has been good? But that information for some of us is quite hard to think about and also articulate. With Clifton Strengths. When the clients do the assessment, it takes about 30 to 40 minutes to do, they get an instant report that tells them what they are good at. And that, for many clients, is such an eye-opener and it's a motivation boost because suddenly you're reading the report and you're saying, oh, yeah, I am quite good at that. And, oh, that does make sense. And now I can link back. And if you think about the premise of Clifton Strengths, and I've noticed now a lot of companies are moving towards what they call this strengths-based conversation. Instead of what Clifton Strengths is telling us is, look, why do we talk about weaknesses and trying to improve weaknesses? Why don't we go straight to our strengths, understand what they are, and then think, what can we do to take those forward and make them, you know, and, and, and make them stronger? So it's giving us this instant self-awareness, as I mentioned. But I think what's important as well when we think about career development is that, again, I see from clients that they may have been working for five, six, seven years, but they typically know more about what other people's achievements have been, what other people's strengths are. And when they're thinking about where to go next in their career, they don't know what they've actually achieved and what they've been good at. So as a result, some of them are getting stuck. And I've had clients come to me and say, Alec, I've been doing this job for five, six years. I'm stuck. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do next. So we get that deep understanding from Clifton Strengths. But what I'm keen on is to understand from the client, right, you've now seen your Clifton Strengths. What do you think you need to do with that? report to take it to that next stage what does it say to you about maybe the next job role for you now that could be a promotion within a company 
Or what I'm also finding more and more of now is that clients are coming to me saying, Alec, I need a different career. I want to move forward, you know, do something completely different. And if you think, and I can give you a UK, Europe perspective here, is that in many areas, there are skill shortages in, in, in many different sectors. And what Clifton Strengths is, is also telling us is if we look at the strengths you've got, which of those strengths are transferable into other roles? Because we know that many companies now, if they can't get the skills they want, what they're saying is, look, can we train you? Do you have that personality that we can work with you, that we can train you? And if we're telling, you know, future or prospective employers what our strengths are, it gives them this, this instant, you know, information. But the other key thing here as well, and I haven't touched on this yet, and it's a key part, I think, that runs through the whole of Clifton Strengths, is understanding your values. And what I see with clients is that as we move up and go through our career, our values change. And for the, some of the clients that come to me, the reason they want to transition into a new career is that the career they had was great for where their values were at the time, but it doesn't align where their values are now. And what Clifton Strengths does, it gives me and the client a deeper understanding of these values. As a coach, I probe further into this to find out why. Why have your values changed? What is this saying about you? And then it helps that client think, right, this is the type of job that would suit me. Actually, if I look at these job descriptions, maybe in a very different sector, but that appeals to me now. That's what adds to, that's where it aligns with my values. And I had a client uh, just recently who is in the process of moving into a new career, completely new sector. And they did a mind map. And I said to them, right, map all your strengths, map all your values, and think how many jobs or different types of jobs does that actually migrate to, that transition to? And it was quite surprising how many of those key values and strengths were also were suitable for, for certainly very different roles. Yeah, beautifully said. So I'm also a Clifton Strengths certified coach too. And there is a focus, as Alex said, about focusing on your strengths rather than trying to improve your weaknesses all the time, because you'll get so much more bang for your buck when you focus on things that put you into your flow state. And you're also more happier at your job when you're able to do things that you like and that you're good at. And that increases work engagement and that increases the amount of job satisfaction and just overall whole. And then you try harder when you like your job. So it's just this positive feedback loop when you really invest into your strengths. Yeah. So Joyce, actually going back to what you said there, and I think that is a key factor. When we're motivated and when we're happy, our energy levels go up. You know, we've got much more anabolic energy. And we typically find in that state that more complex tasks are easier to tackle because we're enjoying what we're doing. We're happy what we're doing. And there is now this new sense of purpose and meaning to what we do in our job. 
when there's a purpose and meaning to your job, it's easier to do because you can connect it to this higher reason for why you're doing it. Because if you're just doing a task, but you don't know why you're doing it anymore, you start to lose motivation. But when you can connect it to your strengths, you feel like you're serving the world with your gifts. And that creates a whole new narrative to why you're doing what you're doing. All right, cool. So we know how helpful this is to focus on your strengths. So now I'm wondering if someone wants to take the Clifton Strengths, what is the frequency in which they should take this assessment, would you say? Ah, uh, good question. Now, is there a fixed timeline? Um, maybe not so much, um, or not that I'm aware of. However, I think the answer to that question depends on whether your job role has changed i.e. you've been promoted into a new role or, you know, you've transitioned into a completely different sector. And I would suggest on, on, the, on that basis, you're probably talking about every two to three years on average, because from what I've experienced is that you might well see that your strengths are changing because you're doing things subconsciously that are changing what you are good at. Mm -hmm, yeah, well said. And so this speaks to the piece of individual growth and development. And so as you gain new strengths at your job, the human being is very flexible and moldable. And so your strengths are too. Gallup, they say to take it once initially, and that's it. But, but I like your view of it better because it's more flexible. And then you have those people who love to take the tests over and over and over again, just to see how their results incrementally change all the time. Because like they do it with all assessments. So, um, but yeah, those are really good points, Alec, about that's the perfect ratio in which you can think about taking this. There's, a, there's another interesting part as well that I've noticed Gallup have been developing over the past couple of years. They now do a Clifton Strengths for Leaders report. They now do a Clifton Strengths for Sales report and a Clifton Strengths for Managers report and, and, and other, other reports are available. And I think this is another example of whereby, you know, if, for example, you you did your Clifton Strengths test five months ago, and in the past two months you've been promoted into a leadership role, by running that report again, uh, but focusing on Clifton Strengths for leaders or Clifton Strengths for managers, that actually starts to tell you as well, not just about your let's call them default strengths. But actually, what are your strengths as that manager, as that leader? And I think what, what is key, what is really important here, and this is another thing I talk to clients about, because I had a client that um, I was working with and they'd been promoted into a senior manager role. And my first uh, thought to them was, right, let's do Clifton strengths for leaders. Reason being, we need to find out what type of leader you are. And what we've talked about so far is, you know, Clifton Strengths tells you about your strengths and we work on those strengths. But the other good thing about Clifton Strengths, it tells you about your blind spots. And for this particular client, there was a couple of issues that were coming up in the blind spot that I asked them, is this relevant? Do you agree with this? For example, um, maybe not great at communicating with your team. Maybe... As a, man, as a leader or a manager, you are not good at taking other people's opinions on board. These were some blind spots. And I asked the client that, and they said, yeah, that is a problem for me. 
So what this report is also doing is helping me partner with the client to think, right, what are we going to do to resolve that? Because if we do, we're taking you to that next, you know, much, you know, the kind of next stage of management to be that better manager or leader or whatever it is that you're, you know, you're actually doing. Absolutely. And so that is great how they have different assessments for your different needs. And I believe the MBTI organization also has different reports for different areas of your life as well. So it's good that they have the full coverage there. And so, Alec, we've been talking about individual growth and development using the Clifton Strengths. So I'm wondering if we can move on to teams. How do you see this applying to the teams that you work with in organizations? Yeah, great question. Uh, this is where, you know, I believe this takes Clifton Strengths to the next level. When you run, when you do Clifton Strengths with a whole team, what Gallup give you with the Clifton Strengths assessment is the opportunity to map out all the strengths across that team. And actually, just well, um, one of the new modules they brought on is this this, this um application called the cascade module and it imports everything into an excel spreadsheet and i can find out very quickly what are all the roles in the team so at the 34 strengths in the team what are the, the is it, are all these strengths covered or are there gaps and the other thing it tells us and we and i haven't discussed this so far clifton strengths also gives you um when it thinks about strengths, it puts them into four domains. We've got the executing domain, we've got the influencing domain, relationship building and strategic thinking. And I've actually got an interesting case at the moment. Um, I'm working with a team next week and I've asked the team to do their Clifton Strengths assessment. And I'm now mapping out co their collective scores or collective reports to tell me, are we covering each of the Clifton Strengths domains adequately. Because thinking back to what I said earlier, and I, I will bring in Belbin shortly, but Belbin's telling us we need nine team roles for a team to work effectively. Clifton Strengths is saying we've got to cover these four domains. And what is really interesting, and I see a difference depending on sector. Next week, I'm uh, working with very kind of research-dominated um, individuals. And as a team, they're very strong on strategic thinking across, you know, the whole team. They're also very strong on relationship building. But what they are not strong at, and I'm seeing very little evidence this is a top strength for any of the team members, is influencing others, you know, communicating, telling people what's going on and finding out, you know, listening to others. But also as well, there's little executing. And one of my questions next week will be, how much is this team actually doing and going forward, getting anything done? Or are you just, for example, like an, a, a, an ideas factory? Lots of strategic thinking, lots of ideas, great. But actually, what's going forward from there? So that's where, for me, you know, Clifton Strengths for Teams is, is, is really useful. But the other key thing as well, and it's not just looking about how that team, you know, works with others or gets things done. Linking back to what we said earlier about 
individuals when they get their Clifton Strengths assessment. It motivates us, right? We know who we are. But imagine knowing what the rest of your team are like and what the strengths are in that team. And what we find is that when we know what we're good at, it makes us more confident, typically, to tell others. And then we have that vice versa. So everyone starts to know much more about the makeup of this team and what the strengths of the team are. But the other key thing as well, and particularly for managers, and this is where Clifton Strengths is, is really powerful for managers in HR. We might have some team members who are actually underutilized. They're not in the, the or they're doing the type of role or tasks that actually play to their strengths. And if we looked at that and thought, actually, I've got a member of the team who is, I didn't realize how innovative they were. I didn't realize that they loved talking to other departments. They're a great bond for us. They love communicating. I never knew this. Maybe that's where we change some of the job descriptions and some of the job roles to benefit the productivity of that department. And then linking back to what we said earlier, wellness goes up, motivation goes up, and we're starting to see a much happier team. Yeah, I like that approach of seeing what's the gaps in the team. And so in the MBTI, there's a similar approach where you map up the types of each of the team members and then see where are the gaps in the types and what's a missing preference that's not represented there. And so, yeah, I, I think that's very clever to separate into the four domains and to see what's missing. You can really see how the team can make up for that or what they're forgetting without realizing that they're they're not doing. And so I'm wondering if there are loose MBTI and Clifton Strengths correlations in the domains. So what I would hypothesize off of the bat, these are loose correlations, right? Is that relationship building is associated with feeling like mm -hmm. the, the F side of connecting to people and also extroversion possibly of, of wanting to connect with people. But I associate it mostly with the feeling. With executing, I would associate it primarily with thinking and somewhat with extroversion, just because there's an element of interacting with the external world with executing, but loose correlations, lo very loose correlations. And then for influencing, I see that as extroversion, like the ability to influence or engage with the outer world. Mm -hmm. And then for strategic thinking, I associate it with introversion and also with thinking as well. So there are like different correlations within it. But anyways, those are loose. <laughs> so, Well, can I add to that, Joyce? Because you remind me um, of a couple of exercises I used to do um, and, and, you know, still do to some degree. And I, this is around MBTI. And I would actually do team challenges with the group I was, was working with. And I would put one team where possible that each of them had exactly the same personality type or very, very similar. Other teams, I would try and mix the personality types up. But and it was very interesting for me, for example, one of the in one particular place I was working, there was a lot of ENTJs in the organization. So I put them all together for this team challenge. They were working together for three days. And it was really interesting that typically, I'm not saying this happened all the time, but there was enough kind of pattern there for me. 
having everyone with the same personality type, I didn't see much creativity. I didn't see much difference or trying to push the boundaries. It seemed a little bit safe. But where I really mixed the MBTI personalities up, I actually saw much better outcomes. You know, I always said to them, surprise me, do something different, push the boundaries. And the bigger mix of personality types did. However, there was one thing, but it was great for teaching, uh, particularly around emotional intelligence. I discussed on a number of occasions, if I had a team that had a majority of extroverts and there were two or three introverts and there was a challenge they had to do, I could see that the introverts picked up on what was required for the challenge, whereas the extroverts typically loved the sound of their own voice and didn't actually always grasp what the task was and what the outputs were. And I had one case, and I will never forget this, this particular participant who was an introvert was one of the quickest ever at resolving a team task that I'd set. And I've done this with so many different people. They told their team in two minutes, this is what we need to do. The team ignored him because they were all too busy talking and shouting and talking about what they wanted. And I sat there and I thought, I can't believe this. However, what a lesson for emotional intelligence to think, look, just because someone might be quieter, I'm not saying all introverts are like that, but actually give that space to everyone. Because, to, and I have to say in my experience, extroverts typically are not so good at that. But give that space, find out what everyone's thinking, because you'll be amazed at the diversity within your team. Yeah, I, I resonate hardcore with the introvert who is overlooked in their team. So what you mentioned, Alec, is like a lot of introverts have weight behind what they have to say. But sometimes because they're the quiet person in the group, their input isn't considered as much. Speaking of these shortcomings, I'm wondering about what you think could be improved about the Clifton strings or other indicators that are your suggestions to, okay. to add to it. A really good question. Um, what I like about Belbin, and this is what Clifton Strengths doesn't do, is that once you take your Belbin assessment, it gives you the opportunity to ask a minimum of four observers and your or four what they call observers, but you know your other people that work with you. But ideally, if we can have four to six uh, observers, is even better, and they get to feedback on how they see you performing. You know, what are your strengths? What do they feel you're not so good at? So they get to feedback on what it is they see you doing in a team, what they believe your strengths are, but also as well, maybe some of the things that you are doing accidentally to annoy others or, you know, maybe people are, are perceiving you in a different way than than you actually imagined. Um, Clifton strengths is all about what you put into it. And I just wonder if we had some feedback from other team members about your strengths, how that would actually add more to the particular report. Because I say you can do that with Belbin. Because I think what is what we have to remember about all of these assessments that we do, the outputs is only as good as the person feeding it the information. 
And if we are not 100% truthful and honest when we're answering these assessments, you know, I would suggest the reports might not be that great. Saying that, you know, certainly with Clifton Strengths, typically my clients are in general agreement. There's a couple of things they might not agree on, but it is probably down to how they fill that assessment in. Because I think feedback is absolutely key here. Because if you think back to what I said earlier, you know, when I ask clients, tell me about yourself, it's typically more negative. It's typically more about the weaknesses. You know, so how are we filling these assessments in? Maybe, maybe we need to do a Clifton's, not maybe not Clifton, you know, but maybe we need to do like a kind of version of Clifton Strengths or a SWOT analysis just to understand what we're good at and then do a Clifton Strengths, if that makes sense, just to have that better picture on our own minds of, of who we are. Yeah, the MBTI also needs that as well, too, because it's fully self-report like the Clifton Strengths is, too. And so if the person has poor self-awareness, they might actually not get a score that's accurate to their strengths. Or it could be more accurate with other people's input, too. And so, yeah, you know what? That, that might inspire something, you know, one day, a few years down the line, I might create like a my own 16 type assessment with uh, 360 feedback. So you can see if other people agree with how you see yourself. Sometimes we're more right about our own strengths. And sometimes other people are more right about it. So when we mix the two opinions, we get a closer opinion of the truth. And so that's brilliant. That's I, have, I mean, with my client, that's why, you know, I love to have you know, as you know, trying to use all these assessments together because I think, you know, by using, you know, for example, Clifton Strengths and Belbin and MBTI, is that cutting down um, any chance of any weakness in the reporting because it's giving you three views, you know, overall views. And, you know, as we've discussed, there is definitely correlation between all of them. You know, if we sit down and analyze that, what is that, you know, picture about your team or that individual? What in what valuable information that can be? Uh-huh. You're allowing that triangulation to happen. Yeah. And when you get multiple data points, it's more accurate than just having a singular data point. So, yeah, that's quite inspiring. I think the 360 approach is so important for getting someone's typewrite in any assessment. And you are so bullseye with that. So my next question for you, Alec, is... How do you use these instruments to tackle burnout? Yeah, great point. Where Clifton Strengths really is, you know, another reason why it's so useful is that when we understand more about ourselves, it helps us typically set our boundaries. We understand what our strengths are. We understand how we need to develop those strengths going forward. But actually, when we know more about ourselves, we know when to stop. You know, we know to say, well, actually, you know, old Alec, for example, would have just kept working, you know, 15 hours a day, wouldn't have been that concerned. But actually, I've now, because I'm learning more about myself, I can't do that. And I think, you know, this also links to, and this is why I've even think about Clifton Strengths for Teams or Belvin for Teams, when we communicate more with others in our teams, and one of the things I've really seen from coaching, and I've done you know some team, team coaching, which has been really interesting in terms of many of us have got the same inner thoughts. 
you know, maybe these are blocking us. Maybe these are causing us stress and anxiety. But we never talk about this to anyone else, typically. Unless, it's, well, what you see is more, you tell your coach more. But when you hear someone else is suffering the same as you, it's amazing how that can help you relax and actually feel better knowing that you're not alone. And if we think of the premise that Clifton Strengths is encouraging you to, you know, to talk about your strengths, as a result, you're building more relationships. As a result, you're doing more communication. You find out more about others and you find the similarities. Therefore, you've got a sense of belonging. You know, therefore, you can set up a group and work together to try and resolve what is causing that stress or burnout. And I think that's a really important, particularly nowadays, a really important aspect of Clifton Strengths. Yeah, beautifully said. And so when you mentioned how when we're able to name something, we're able to claim it, it's powerful. This is, yeah. So that's why also the MBTI helps people because they're able to realize people have this similar preferences to them or patterns to them and that they're not alone in their phenomenon. And for the first time in their life, they realize it's okay to be you. You are good enough as you are. So there's some sort of you're not crazy like this is explainable. There's a term for it. So it just adds on to your point, Alec. Thank you so much for coming out and discussing your expertise around these three instruments. It's nice to talk with a fellow certified Clifton Shanks practitioner. And it's clear that you are a phenomenally elegant speaker. So yeah, you're you're a powerful speaker. So that's one of your strengths. <laughs> I you know, it's very interesting. My top Clifton strengths is significance. Would you believe that's my number one near Clifton Strengths? But it's actually about making a big impact. But I take that for me as making a big impact on others. And I thought it was interesting when I got my Clifton Strengths report. I said, maybe that's why I'm a coach, because that's the part I love doing, helping others. So. Excellent. So then I'm curious, what are your top five Clifton Strengths results? Well, I am number one is significance. Uh, number two is responsibility. So this is, you know, I'll basically say I'll do what I say I'm going to do. Three is achiever. So I work hard and got lots of stamina. Four is relater. So I enjoy a close relationship with others. And five is analytical. And I'm always searching for the reasons and causes, which for me is just ironic. I'm coaching. Because if you think about those those top five, it really does relate to, to coaching skills. So. I can see definitely how you have a thinking preference from the results that you have there. Yeah. And the responsible like links to the SJ-ness. So I, I think someone could guess at your MBTI type from your Clifton strengths. Maybe not a one-to-one, -one, but it would give them somewhere to start with. Huh. And so, Alec, I'm wondering about your results in the Belvin. What, what do you get there? I'm a monitor evaluator. That's my um, top role. And, oh, I used to be a shaper, but that changed, interestingly enough. Um, yeah, monitor, that's it, monitor evaluator and implementer. That was my two top Melbourne team roles. That's so cool. All right. It's always nice to see the three-dimensionality of all your different results together, so... Thank you, Alec, for your wonderful in-depth analysis on how to apply personality systems. And so that's a wrap. 
Thank you for watching Type Talks. My name is Joyce Ming, and I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. Thank you very much, Joyce. Bye-bye. Thank you.